All right, welcome to episode five of It's Server Time. This week we are joined by Bleh, best known for his commentating at ROG Masters 2017 India Online Qualifier number two. Great stuff from you, Bleh, there. I think everyone really enjoyed that. Yeah, I actually don't even remember the event, um, but I'm sure it was fun. I'm sure it was good. Some fantastic Counter-Strike right there. Who won? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't even remember the event. Yet. I need to look this up. I'm I'm curious right now. Hold on. Entity Gaming won it. Entity Gaming. Oh yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. It, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty bad CS. Yeah, I yeah. know those guys. Yeah. All right, but yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with Blah and his work, he's kind of the Asian CS expert and is frequently talent on DreamHack broadcasts, where he was most recently on the desk with me at DreamHack Open Fall 2020. Good time. Good time. And uh, we're gonna jump into that though. But but uh, that's. Actually, that's good enough. That's good enough. I don't know where I was going to go with that one, but we're just going to live with that there. You tried. Yeah, I just like, okay, it's, I'm just going to throw it out there, jet lag, you know, I, players throw it out all the time, I can do it now too. So, that's my excuse, given that this, this, uh, my background and where I am is in the UK right now, so. Oh, I, I already have plans to talk about jet lag, so. Okay, fine. all right. All right okay, good. Alex, you'll come back stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's just get into it. All right, no more no more small talk because I don't even know how to do that anymore, apparently. Uh, all right, why is Heroic this good? Bleh, let's start with you. What are your thoughts? Huh, Heroic. Whew. Look, here's the thing, right? Like, I don't want to get an entire online LAN thing yet, right? It's been done to death right now. I'm still going to wait for 2025 when we finally get to play LAN to know if they're good or not. But um, I just think that they're pretty comfortable. I think they're like just uh, a pretty comfortable team. I feel like Caden's really found his groove, so to speak, with this particular lineup. And uh, one more thing I like about his team, for at least from what we've seen so far recently, is it, it's a good mix. It's a good mix of... I don't know if I can swear in this podcast, but it's a good mix of fuck you Counter-Strike and good structured, really solid CS, which you all like to study and watch. At the same time, I like how they just you know give a little bit of a smattering of screw you, we're better individuals than you are, which is something which I feel is kind of missing, actually, some of the top teams out there. I think that could be maybe an explanation for why they're good. Yeah, I think yeah, it's kind of like a good blend of their, like, Danish style that sort of emulates some stuff from Astralis. They also like Kadian is a really good X factor for them as well. Like uh, I think Glaive even mentioned it after their last match, but like Kadian can take over games when he's when he's really feeling it, and that sort of gives them another level that they they have their tactical style that sort of is very consistent. And then if that isn't working for them, or if they want to change it up, Kadian can also hit that next level that sort of lets them uh, look completely different on either side of the map. They have like a really like solid set of players really make use of like the Katie and Hunden combination they have kind of going on in terms of like the uh, building the team and stuff. With like kind of like that whole like young core going on in terms of the rest of the players. I think it really allows like Katie to be super comfortable um, just in terms of like playing with the op and being able to go for aggressive stuff and not being scared to, you know, play however he wants to play or make the calls he wants to call. I think, I definitely think like they, I do want to see how they translate to LAN once that eventually happens again. Not because I think that like they're like onliners or anything, but just because I think naturally, like as a team, because they're they're a younger team. Like once they go to LAN, at least for the first you know few months or so, I definitely think it'll be more of a struggle than it currently is now for them. Just kind of adjusting to that. 
but I think eventually they would. So I don't think they'd be like number one straight away on land, but I definitely think they'd still be like a really good team because I think they just have a really well composed team right now. Yeah, I'd be interested to see a couple of their players on land, like Tessus in particular, if he can maintain some of the individual ability that he has online on land when the pressure is really on when the lights are in his face that would be impressive to me the most i think one thing about heroic that i really love is that i feel like there's been three teams in my eyes that have kind of been like top online teams in this era uh it started the year with g2 then big had a run at it now it feels like it's heroic's turn and i feel like all all three of them had really good uh, ideas in every round as to like they it was a it was almost like it was obvious what their win condition it was in the round how they were going to get involved in the round like they had a plan they have plans going into enough of their rounds that allows them to kind of have streaks online like g2 was anti-stratting the hell out of everybody for a while so they would call strats that were based off of that big kind of just worked in packs and then they would have these like really fucking bombarding flash plays onto bomb sites or to just take take space. And heroic also kind of like a nice they they've kind of actually moved away from as many set plays or execs. I would say like they're they're a little bit more defaulty than they were uh, I'd say six months ago, but they still have those in their back pocket. So it's cool to see that they every round really know like where are we going to find our frags. It feels like they they're very conscious of that. And for a team like I guess we could we can move on from this, um, like like a team like Fnatic or something. Like you don't always actually know when you're watching them. Like what was their plan this round? It's just they just kind of sent their five members out, and we're like, let's hope for the best here. Um, so let's just talk about the second place team here, Vitality. So why Vitality has now consistently kind of been a second place team. <laughs> um, it feels like they're a little bit cursed actually lately. Uh, second place at Cologne, second place at DreamHack, second place at CS Summit, second place at the Blast Premier European Finals. Like <laughs> what is happening with this team? Why can't they get over the edge? Cause they keep making I, it to the finals. It's the same problem that like I always have with Vitality. It's just that it's Zaiwu and then it's four players that aren't like terrible or anything. But like they don't have like a second player that is able to just consistently like or ever just be able to step up and be like a star at times, you know. Not even like not even like a superstar like Zaiwu, but just like able to and step up. And have, electronic, like, for example, right? Yeah. Not yeah. like not even electronic. Not even like, that good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like an Ethan, at least. Like, <laughs> like, an, like, Ethan, that. like an Ethan. All right. <laughs> like literally, like I like, mean, literally just someone that can at least be like, you know, around that level to help hmm. Zaiwu occasionally step up. I feel like would it make a world of difference in these games because I watched Vitality and I think with Alex they have good calling with Apex they have good calling I think they have really solid team play I watched them play heroic and it seems like they're consistently like making the right calls and right decisions but it just there's just not enough fragging besides Zaiwu still consistently especially over a five map period it's just they really don't have enough compared to some of the other teams around this level I mean like look at the stats from that grand grand final between heroic like for heroic Every single one of their players top fragged on a different map, yeah. and then you look at you look at Vitality. Zewu has like 127 kills, and then the next closest person is Shocks at 93. And I think four heroic players were over 110 kills. Like it's just the kill distribution between those players is just not enough to be able to make up for that ground. Like Zewu can't be the only player posting that sort of numbers. There has to be at least one player up there with him. Or it's actually. 
it's actually why I'm really glad they've gone with like a six man roster instead of like mm-hmm. completely like changing a player and like completely you know messing everything up. Because I think they they've always played pretty good CS, and so I'm pretty I'm actually pretty excited to see, and I really want to see them start to use Navera a lot more because you know I think he'll he might fit in pretty well. He seems a pretty versatile player, and I'm excited to see like if he could provide that kind of fragging that they need. I'm actually curious to see who's going to be replacing in the short term, right? Like they did say he's going to be like replacing a certain player in a certain map, but uh, I have to agree with you guys. I have to agree that Vitality has a team to look good, but yeah, individually, like Shox, I feel like has been having kind of like a resurgence recently. He has been looking really good, but like you said, not as consistently as we would like. But if you had to pick between like, let's say you can't take Apex, I would still put Shox there. You're not going to touch Zaiwu, obviously. So yeah, RPK, Misuda. Oh, I like how Masuda played in the final couple of games for Vitality. I feel like he's really grown into that, into his role, kind of, into the team, into the structure that they have. And I got to say, I hit a call up plays individually, but RPK was very quiet for me in this event, in, in Dreamhack Open Fall. And there was a lot of maps being played there, right? It was like, what, 17, 18 maps being played by the team, even though they just played the upper bracket. And I feel like RPK was kind of quiet there were no moments where you know it seemed like he really you know stepped up or there was a moment where he was like shutting down or uh, if there was a shutdown happening or a round being opened up it was never him it was either shocks having a moment zaiwu being himself or maybe masuda for example the b bomb side you know having a lot of highlight moments rpk was kind of quiet but i feel like at the same time he is a guy who enables a lot in the team as well so for me, it's a, it's a conundrum. Like, yeah, I would like to see Nevera see what this kid's got in this lineup. Who are you gonna gonna are you gonna take out here apart from you know Shox and Zaiwu? I wouldn't mind RPK coming out for little stretches because actually, actually at the beginning of the DreamHack event, RPK looked pretty decent against a couple teams. Um, it was against Mouse Sports, I think. Yeah, he looked good against Mouse. He looked good against Big. It kind of feels like. Certain games he'll just turn up for a little bit more. Like it's almost like if if he's more comfortable with the matchup or something. I think he does really well in those. Um, like if RPK knows what your exec is, I think he can just tear it apart sometimes. But if he is a little bit, if he's caught out a little bit more, he has a really hard time. Like he's not raw enough in ability that he can just recover in the middle of a round and be like, okay, I was I. If he knows what's happening, he's gonna own. If he doesn't, like he's a bot honestly and and uh that sometimes happens to him where it's just like he's not ready for certain kind of circumstances in in my eyes i think the six-man roster is a pretty good way for vitality to deal with the situation though because like rpk is 27 years old like he's approaching that age where like he might step back or play oh, a little I bit older less. Than that. Jesus. i also thought he was older i had to check but yeah i, I was like he was that like, was young almost he's so much younger He's 31. He's almost 30. He's 31, dude. He's, he's 31. He's 31. No way. No what? Way. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I misclicked the right. I misclicked the wrong player. You're right. He's 31. That makes far more sense. Okay, so he's okay, definitely yeah. approaching the age yeah. where he would get close to dipping out. And I think having a player like Navera being able to come in and sort of see the structure that they have and and sort of adapt and work off of that and potentially like groom himself as a replacement for RPK eventually. That's that's pretty that's a pretty good path for Vitality to take, whether it's RPK he ends up replacing or not, just in general being able to sort of see the structure that the team has and eventually plug into it and learn from the sort of experience that RPK has. Uh that could work really well. How how yeah. good is Nevera though? Like, I mean, apart from obviously being related to, to Scream, uh, he's legitimately pretty good. I think he's I, very good. Yeah. 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 
Heretic. 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 Um, He's a pretty versatile player. I think he was like an opera before, and then he's like rifling on Heretics as well. So he's done like quite a bit of stuff. I think I'm kind of curious. I'm not really sure yet, like how he'll slot in. I think that'll kind of come to us as like Vitality actually, because I have no idea how they even plan to use him. So I think it'll become a lot more clear once they actually start to use him how they're going to use him, because he they'll even be able to use him as like a secondary opera as well. Um, so it'll it'll open up a lot for them. Yeah, he's a. From what I saw, because I saw a, I guess a little. I saw a series of of him at DreamHack or not DreamHack at CS Summit, and he's an in like the short time I saw him, he hit several, in my opinion, ten out of ten difficulty op shots. And if you can actually have a player that is kind of as good at op is like so, Shox has kind of picked up the secondary op sometimes on Vitality, and it's been to mixed results i would say at best right like like he has glimpses where it's like oh shocks is back okay like the very first series of this event i think against mouse sports that vitality played shocks just dominated it but then mouse sports came out in last place at this event so it's like was it really was it i mean it was it, it looked legit right but i wouldn't i'd say Nevera could probably do that against teams that aren't mouse sports. Like he could do it against a couple other teams too. And and uh, if you have a secondary guy like that, I think that could be really something. And he did put the op down for a while for Heretics. I forgot, I forgot who on that roster picked it up for a minute, but Maka. I know he. It was Maka's who? the other. Maka's the other upper, isn't he? Okay, okay. He's like yeah. the main upper generally. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just not as familiar with it. With it, and then. Uh, so, so we know he can do both, and I know his rating was actually pretty solid when he did when he was rifling more. But it's it's like it's tough where I feel like Vitality in a lot of rounds just they they do support Zwu. Like, don't get it wrong, but but like they don't. It's it's almost like if Zwu doesn't a lot just of carry them for like yeah, four players to still just hover like a point ninety nine rating. All yeah, the time. Ex- exactly. Like there needs to be a little bit more of a like some cohesion on parts of the map that aren't just the Zwu centric spot, right? Like if he's if Zwu's opping B, they need to be competent at holding a three man A setup on Mirage, right? Like mm-hmm. when he's not there with them, it, it feels just so weird that if you play the avoid Zwu game, you actually do better than playing the avoid simple game for example it, it's just like there needs to be more agency and more ability from the other players on vitality i was i was watching vitality on nuke like their their ct or t side i think i think it was their mm-hmm. ct side and like there's round after round they're just like they're they, they're not even getting like a clean round on their ct side so it's just hurting their economy like the whole time they're struggling like they'll get like four v2s and they'll still manage to lose like two people or something They'll, and Zywu will get like three kills, four v two, and then just somehow they still lose it like two v four, and just it's like if one person just can just step up and be like a second star and consistently get kills, it literally could just make such like a world of difference in vitality. It literally could be like that little bit that just gives them like two or three extra rounds a half. I'm gonna change the server really briefly. I'm gonna change it to U.S. Central. Let's see. Did that um, fix it's anything? It's going to make a difference. It did not change anything. All right. This is a Discord thing. All right. I think the audio is fine. So if people are listening, it's, it doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
that kind of threw this off just a little bit. I wanted to bring up this question where it's maybe it's not a perfect one-to-one -one comparison by any means, but I still wanted to throw it out there because I feel like the situation for both of these players resembles uh, each other in Masuta and Perfecto because they both are kind of just these young players that were just kind of picked picked out to slot in on teams kind of in not always the most ideal circumstances, I would say, but then they just had to fill a role and they had to just do their best at it. Who do you think right now is doing better among the two of them, Masuda versus Perfecto? Um, I haven't caught as many like Navi games live as I could to probably say like for sure. My instant reaction is to say I, I overall think Perfecto's a better player still. Um, even when I was watching like Vitality T side on their overpass, I felt like Masuta kind of was playing a bit of a risky game like in that connector on T side, um, just kind of like as his own lurker. Mm -hmm. So at times it kind of felt like he was a bit too much and kind of costing his team rounds, just kind of like inexperience, taking too many like duels maybe he shouldn't. So overall, just in terms of playing like valuable to the team, I think Perfecto probably is a little bit more rounded as a player, at least just in my mind currently. I feel like that also is because of how... Uh, I mean, it depends on the team as well, right? I feel like for mm -hmm. Vitality, like the counter for that would be how we played the Dust 2B bombs on CT side. I think it was fantastic. I'm uh, talking about, of course, uh, Masuta. I think he was playing his role. He wasn't overpeaking, he wasn't overfacing. And there were moments where a younger player might break, right? They just might go for that peak. They might get a little too nervous, but he wasn't. He was showing a lot of maturity, I feel like. I do agree that on the T side, there were a few plays where it was a little questionable, but I feel like it's an unfair. Uh, comparison because like we talk about we spoke about vitality and we speak about how uh, you know you, you have only Zaiwu as a consistent player so there's a lot of pressure on all the other four individuals to kind of like have that moment in that round or that map you look at Na'Vi and I know it's a meme that you know it's usually simple but there is electronic you can't deny the fact that this guy is still way more consistent as a high fragging or, or a high impact player than any of the other four players on vitality right and you have electronic there you have simple over there and I feel like the other two players as well. You're talking about Flamey and Boomich as well. I think they they do have a bigger output compared to the other players. So I feel like for Perfecto, he's in a better position, if that makes sense, right? He never seems to be the one liability for the Na'Vi side. If it failed, it's like, yeah, Simple played, everyone else sucked, or Simple had a bad game and the team just crashed. It's never There's never a point where I want to put, or I feel like putting a blame on, on the Perfecto. Uh, and that's also because, like I said, you know, he works in that system, in that high-fragging, high-skill ceiling team of Na'Vi. So, yeah, I, I feel we need to have that caveat in. And if you bring that in, it just feels like an unfair comparison between these two. I've watched less of Masuda, but for Perfecto specifically, I think his individual decision-making is just really good for a team that has that sort of high-fragging capability. Because he knows that he doesn't have to be one of those players who steps up. And so his decision-making is usually very, very smart. He tends to play to live a lot, which gives Navi a lot of time to rotate in. He gives himself time to get flashed. Uh, if he's anchoring somewhere, he, he gives his rotators time to come back. So just in general, with the way Perfecto plays, I feel like he's the better player at the moment. Uh, that might change if as Matsuda gets more experience, but... I think you're right, Blood. They do have slightly different roles. But in terms of being able to compare them on the two rosters, I still think Perfecto has the edge, even even with more experience under Masuda's belt. Perfecto is just going to develop a little bit better. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. The question wasn't necessarily 
totally fair because they aren't they aren't playing the exact same spots or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I've actually seen more glimpses of raw, just pure mechanical ability from Masuta. Yet he has actually a worse reading, so that probably means and basically from the eye test as well, he kind of does make a couple more risky decisions here and there where I don't, I don't think he always gauges the situation as well as Perfecto does. Like per- Perfecto will almost always take the safer route and he's actually rewarded for that. Whereas Masuta, sometimes he feels like there's an opening and then he's just instantly punished for it. And then it's just like, okay, well, like he, he's, not your, he's not a star player for the team, but he kind of has moments where he acts like he is maybe for just an instant here and there, but he's just, I mean. It's also funny because they're in like yeah. completely different teams in terms of like how well-structured each team is, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. Like I think Vitality is a lot more well-structured and has a lot better team play overall than Navi does. So in that way, it is kind of impressive from Perfecto to kind of be able to be that kind of like stable player on like a unstable team like Navi is at the moment. Yeah. Also, like on on your note, where you're saying that Masuda feels like he has an opening and tries to take advantage of it, like a lot of teams, and I feel like this came from Astralis and their dominant period, but like a lot of teams are very good at making it seem like there's an opening when really they're they're adapting off of that or they're actually holding for that and trying to bait a player into it. And if they do it correctly, and you have a player like Masuda who thinks he has that opening, he's sort of just falling into that trap, and so. Perfecto's passive style is sort of like it just counters that entirely because he's just playing safe rather than trying to capitalize on every individual opening. So, I mean, I mean, he does have one of the best like death, death per round stats in international Counter Strike as well, right? The guy just doesn't die at all. So, yeah, that's pretty nasty. That's pretty nasty. Uh, okay, speaking of Astralis, let's uh, they came in third at DreamHack Open Fall Europe. 2020 and they lost to heroic they actually lost 2-1 that the first map nuke really could have gone either way but heroic did end up winning that series and this is kind of a swan song i guess for s attack on this roster i think he did a overall i think everyone can be pretty satisfied with how he did but what do you guys make of this look for astralis and just how is it how do you guys think moving forward is it going to be a slight... I mean, Zipnix is coming back, and we can all assume that the potential is best team in the world again. But like, do you think they're going to take a hit in the short term? Uh, just depends on how Zipnix plays and how he's feeling when he comes back. Because um, Estetag was playing pretty well in his spots. So I assume if Zipnix comes back and he's feeling well, and he's feeling on it, you know, the break's done him well, then I think they'll come back and they'll be really fucking good because they're Astralis, and they'll, they'll know how to fit in pretty well right away yeah they just have years of experience at this point right so like as long as as, as long as Zipnex is feeling himself when he comes back in i think he'll click in perfectly fine just yeah there's I'm you don't just lose that sort of yeah, yeah you don't lose that sort of chemistry mm-hmm. with a few months i'm more wondering about how long bobsky's going to be like the social media guy right now at this point right <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i like the memes man but um, it's almost like that entire thing about like I believe more than this vitality six man roster, really you know, uh, including the Vera and playing the maps. I believe in that more than Astralis really going for the six man seven man roster, honestly. Because with Zipix coming back, hundred percent you're going to put him on the main team, right? Now Bobski, uh, he's just sitting there doing nothing. So uh, 
it's kind of weird for me. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a tangent here, but yeah, I, I have to agree with uh, with the rest of you as well. Zipix coming in, I think, yeah, it might take a couple of weeks. I, I feel like this event was Astralis. It's not like they weren't trying, but it, there was a. It's a very it's a very vague thing for me to say, but it's almost like there was no that killer instinct, if you know what I mean. Like when it push comes to shove, when it gets these really close games, Astralis, we know they're closing those games out. That nuke is a game, is a map that Astralis would probably win nine out of ten times. But with SSI playing his final game, maybe it was lacking that. I'm not gonna put the blame on him or the team, whatever, but I feel like I wanna see how the new Astralis is gonna be doing, new old Astralis, whatever you want to call it. Uh I don't want to gauge too much in the, you know, rather infer too much from this result in Dream Act. It was still a top three placing, still a great showing overall. It could have been a 2-0 as well in that lower bracket finals against Heroic. So overall, yeah, good showing considering it's the last event and whatnot. But I feel with Zipix coming in, apart from the fact it might take a little bit for him to get used to it, you know, to get to get back into the groove of things, I feel like they're going to be even more dangerous than they were with S attack. Yeah. Like the way I see it is that a team like us teams like FaZe can sort of shine when they have no pressure on them in these sort of situations like if they know they're a dead roster going into a tournament like they're playing with no pressure whereas it doesn't really work as well for a team like Astralis with the sort of structure that they have and the sort of chemistry they have they just like they can play free but it's just not gonna be as beneficial as a style to them as it is to a team like FaZe for example True. Yeah. And, 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 and the good thing is well the individuals on the side of Astralis they were popping off like Device and Dupree were they were really on form. So it's like the player's looking good. It's just that little bit of that the missing link, which I feel should be filled in the next couple of weeks. Clutch minister. There we go. I, I think what's interesting is we're framing this like Astralis didn't, didn't do what they should have at this tournament, but they still came in third place. Like they still did really that's, well. That's Astralis, and right? That's Astralis. They, Listen, yeah. if the clutch minister was playing, they're winning that nuke. I'm just calling it. They're winning that fucking nuke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, man, it's so scary, actually, the fact that, like, I felt like they were playing, like, kind of free, actually, like, okay, the way they played against Vitality in the upper bracket game, where they just ran over them on Nuke, just that T-side was, that was, that was beautiful, that was crazy, if anyone wants to see what peak just firepower Astralis can look like, that map in particular, definitely is something to look back at, like, they absolutely handed Vitality's ass to them on a platter. Like, that was just it's such a beatdown. And it's it's a shame they couldn't, like, replicate that performance against Heroic to close out uh, that lower bracket final game. Because maybe then, I mean, I, I mean, who knows? Like, they, they probably would win the tournament, in my opinion. But they didn't. So that's just that. It's a sight to see when Astralis just starts plowing through a tournament. I know. Glaive has, like, a 1.50 rating. You know, it's just... You don't have a chance. Yeah, I yeah, I Glaive at this tournament, like they're doing this thing right now that it's like Magisk is calling some of the maps, and I think Glaive right now is only calling for T side nuke. And I feel like that should just change back. <laughs> like that they should just revert that back, surely. Like I, I think they said that in an interview, but to me it felt like every day I bet they're making Glaive call a little bit more. Like why I think he said that at the very beginning of the tournament there was some interview, but whatever, let's move on because because we're gonna see a different Astralis at the next tournament anyway. So um fourth place actually, NIP, and I think this was a surprise to a lot of people. Um, probably everybody on the desk. We we all kind of were like NIP, they're bringing knock back. I think this is the this was the first tournament that he's back on the roster because threat was filling in for him. 
And actually, they looked solid. Like, they were a team. I was where... on the IP train. Just insane. Yeah. Just yeah. Insane. Didn't you, did you? Wait, what'd you say? You said they were going to like be top three, right? You were, so you're pretty close. I was something like that. I wasn't fully on, but like I had the right idea. Yeah, you were almost. You almost called it. You almost, yeah, almost called it. They were almost. Be there. Yeah, that was a good call. That was a like they. Okay, I mean, okay. What do what do you guys think of their performance? What do you guys think? Um, I just really like watching the plays because I just love their style. I think they have like a really good understanding of everything that's happening across the map. Like just kind of like threat style. Like they know like across their T sides, like their lurkers are like so on point. Like res. Uh, towards A, twist towards B. Like I was so impressed how they're just like using each other and just playing off each other and just consistently we're just like finding openings against EG just based off of that. Just consistently working off each other on other sides of the map and just I was just really impressed. Just, they just had like a really overall their game plan like made a lot of sense. Like the things they do made a lot of sense. I understood everything that was happening in the game and I felt they had a really good cohesion going on. I don't know. I I when when they're winning, it looks good, right? It looks really good. But I, I feel like they're a little too streaky for my liking. And I'm still going to stick by my guns that the map pool isn't as robust as I would like it to be. There are a few maps that are very comfortable on. Like we saw the new performance coming out from there. Who was it against? Uh, was it against OG? Yeah, they, they smashed OG 16-4 around Nuke. But if you look at the overall stats on that map, it's still pretty abysmal. And that's the problem. When they pop off, it looks fantastic, right? Knock, Res being a beast. Like you said, the T side, the way they're floating around, the way they work as a unit is great. But it's too streaky for me. Like, you look at this, what happened today, like a couple of, an hour back, where they just got smashed by Na'Vi after winning on Overpass, right? Overpass map, they're really comfortable on, they win on it. And they barely put up a fight. Mirage and Nuke, 16-9, 16-4. I mean, sure, Simple showed up. Sure, Electronic had a pretty decent game. But, you know, that's the problem with the nip. I, I feel like they're too streaky overall. And again, individually, Rez is 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 amazing. He's just fucking amazing, right? Then you have Nock, who has been very, very stable. That CD side opening is fantastic. Apart from that, I think it it's the it's a classic vitality conundrum where who else is there, right? Nock as an opera, he's not as consistent as you'd like him to be, but we understand as a, a hardcore opera, sometimes it doesn't click, sometimes it doesn't work. Maybe you start on the T side of train. Maybe you're not getting the money, maybe your money's getting broken, you don't have your weapon of choice. Then you have Rez. Who else? Plopsky, Hampus, Twist. They have their moments, but again, you need that secondary, doesn't even have to be a star player, right? A secondary guy you can rely on to get consistent like 18 to 22, 23 kills kind of most of the times help support res. I feel these things are holding them back, which is kind of weird for me because you look at the names, you look at Plopsky and you're like, you should be that player uh, and even Twist for that matter. And I don't know, I feel like I wouldn't change anything in this team, but I feel like they still need to get that, that consistency in the players in their map pool and also winning games consistently at where it's no, it's no longer a surprise for us, right? The low bracket run was fantastic, but every game they won, we're like, whoa, okay, where did this come from? Where did this come from, right? Every single time. And for that to kind of be kind of like swept away, we need to see a little bit more of a consistent performance from them overall. Blast, it's gone wrong for them. So maybe the next event, maybe the next couple of events, end of the year, maybe that's when I'm going to be like, okay, this is a team who can kind of, kind of you know be more consistent and be up there in the top 10 right now i think they're still just trying to find their identity um like i still think the roles are still a bit like they're they have like versatile roles but also kind of kind of comes out like an identity crisis there's just there's like a lot going on there's like a lot of different things they can do with their players a lot of different positions and so at times that can create kind of a, a problem in itself and just that 
it's kind of hard to find a consistent answer on the cross the maps and it's kind of hard to find a consistent style and like a consistent um you know pattern that is used to wins and stuff and so I'm, go ahead i'm really hesitant to get high up on nip during this online period because i feel like this is very similar to what happened the last time that threat was able to talk at any point just the fact that they're they're pretty good at stabilizing when threat can just calm the entire time and once we go once we go back to LAN and the coaches can no longer calm for the entire round, I I'm really hesitant to to say that they'll be able to maintain the same level of form because a lot of the situations that they're coming out on top of are ones where threat is still talking in the background. Like you can see in their blast player comms that threat is communicating a lot for these players. And I'm I'm just really hesitant to, to think that they can keep the same trajectory if if threat can cannot calm during matches if that's the case same. i think the case for hampus gets even more damning right like i was i was looking to give him a little bit of uh, benefit of doubt saying you know he's he's calming he's trying to, he's, he's calling he's trying to make it work for his team but yeah with threat calling all the time then you have hampus being included in the equation i'm like guys you, you need to frag it's an fps end of the day you need to shoot some heads yeah speaking of the consistency with them I and I mean, Blay, you were praising Rez, but he is like Mr. Inconsistent for me. I <laughs> yeah. okay, so thinking back to that OG series, okay, he went 28 and 8 on Nuke, one of the best, and he had a 2.26 rating for that game. And it's like, okay, Rez is feeling it. This is super scary. Everybody mm-hmm. better watch out. Very next map, he goes 10 and 14. Like, if you're feeling it on that day to that level, you have one of the best rating maps of your life to just start the day off and get a 0.93 rating for the next match or the next map it's like what happened like what the hell happened and i feel like when like that's just that's how rez has been for me for a long time now where i feel like he's been kind of a specialist almost on certain maps and Mm -hmm. then like he'll just fall off completely on other ones but then i look at his map stats and it's not actually as consistent as i thought i thought it was like i i personally thought he was really good at uh like nuke overpass train but then but then i look at the stats and it's like okay he's actually pretty good at overpass he's like so so at train actually kind of bad, not not great at train and then uh i think his nuke was like all right but uh and ip's issue is like similar to vitalities to me but it's like it's more like they just don't have a zywu and then yeah. like the other players are just kind of like a step <laughs> above everyone on vitality so not- it's like yeah, not, not having the same a Zyber is a big problem for every <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah, top, top now. They could have been a good team. They just don't have a Zyber or a Simple. Well. <laughs> no, but I'm saying the rest of them are like a step above Vitality, right? True. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't, they just don't have like a player that is averaging a 1.4 to, you know, just elevate them to consistent top two. Yeah, I think that that actually fits into my narrative when I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking at his recent stats, right? Like Dreamhack Open was overall his one of his more better tournaments overall. But now, if you like, you said just looking back at his stats overall this year, suddenly the entire team now is just an inconsistent mess. If you think about it, Nock, yeah, he's been having good resurgence ever since he came back, but it's it's a problem right now for me. They're um, all and yeah, up once and down. We're, yeah, very up and down. Performance-wise, individually, and you don't like you said, you don't even have a Zaiwu. And on top of that, once land play does eventually come around, if they're if they're struggling right now in the online era, yeah, I'm not really fancying the chances to be honest. I think when I for my closing thought on NIP is that they kind of like always 
when you watch them play have almost zero losing conditions in rounds like they they ha- they like you know they cross every t dot every i and they like they are very thorough about their procedures throughout taking map control or like just how they even play some mid late round situations they're always like kind of playing off of each other but at the same time it it feels like they don't have a player who is consistently that x factor in rounds kind of like kind of like ziwu kind of like simple kind of like how yakinder's been playing and like there's always like kind of like a star player like it doesn't feel like anyone is consistently rising above the rest and is like i'm going to take care of business like it, if that even happens it just seems like that could easily blow up in their faces because none of them individually have the confidence or the skill to continuously do that in rounds like it's like seeing little openings and just running with it like i saw like on vertigo like i saw hampus do it sometimes but then like he gets punished the next time he does that in a match. Like it, it's not like he can consistently say, do that. Yeah. Say like a Rez or a Knock or a Plopsky averaging like, you know, like a 1.15, 1.20 rating, you know, so like a player that's like consistently kind of like, you know, around those levels, consistently like a star player. I think they'd be instantly shoot up to be a lot more consistent, which is pretty obvious. Cause like, yeah, better yeah. players, they're going to be a better team. But, you know, considering they have like five players that I think are all have the potential pretty decent. I'd like to see at least one of them be like, a consistent star yeah yeah all right um uh, moving on so nip they also just played eg and eg coming here from na i think they said they had five days to practice but they lost mm-hmm. to og in their opener at blast and then they lost to nip in the losers match uh what have you guys caught of eg and what are you guys i guess i mean how does this feel for Basically, what is supposed to be the best NA team, because I would consider Fury a you know, South American. Uh, I think it was, yeah. I think it was really evident that EG hasn't practiced against European teams for a long time in the way that they were playing these series. Like You could tell that some of the gaps they had, they just weren't used to them getting exploited that quickly, and that's what was really catching them out in some of these matches. Like OG were good at capitalizing on some of these mistakes and openings, but at the same time, like once EG gets a little bit more time scrimming against European teams again, I think they'll they'll be able to to reach that level again. It's just that when you're practicing in North America for these many months and you're playing against the same three or four teams, there's only so much that you're going to be able to adapt through and be able to sort of be ready for. And with the amount of time that they were playing here, it's just they're not going to be ready for it immediately. Yeah, yeah, and even um, and even breezy, right? Like being super quiet individually in that uh, in that match against Nip. That's something which he has been kind of quiet though. But I mean, like this is before the online era, like before they were like reigning North America recently. But then, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. Also, throwing a, throwing a little bit of jetpack as well, I guess. I was gonna say, like, just from what I saw, from what I saw them playing, um, I definitely think they need some more play time getting in. Use some more scrims. It just felt like. I was watching their T sides and they were like really slow and a bit too a bit too obvious at times. They weren't controlling the rotates very well. Heroic or not heroic. OG was reading them uh pretty well. They consistently were on the right sides, consistently counterplaying EG correctly. And it seemed like EG just didn't really have a good a good sense of how to control the rotates and a good sense of how to control the game in their own pace. Uh, it was kind of the same thing with NIP. It seemed like they were really struggling with that proactive CT side play that OG and NIP were like really throwing at them. They weren't really re- prepared for it to play it against it yet. And so I think it's just something that they need 
because they definitely are like it's not like they haven't played against that at all like they have been playing against furia like over and over so they've been playing against art mm-hmm. so i'm sure you know there's some like you said that kind of proactive play but it's a bit different in the way that og and you know nip do it compared to you know art just like with an op holding w somewhere so it's definitely still it's definitely still need to get a bit used to it yeah it felt like map to map for me when i was watching them like the way they started versus og on mirage if i'm not mistaken was just like they were really bad at handling like mid late round situations and and like it almost felt like they put themselves in just they got so complacent in that their post plants were just like uh i remember one one post plan for example was like i think they had a player around default or something and then they had one player at at front triple and then a player on bench and this was like it just felt like the shittiest setup i've ever seen in a post plan like usually you would just fight for a jungle control or take some kind of fight at, at some point but they just sat there and just waited to get pinched and it was like uh really like that was so weird then they played the next map on inferno and you can tell they talked about that because then they were a lot more proactive and smarter in the mid late round situations but then they kind of fell apart again like it, it just no. it's just like they were not used to having to put that much effort into their into some of their like the tougher moments they like whereas before because i'm sure they've been playing na competition and they can just kind of survive based off of their ability that's kind of shit works but it clearly didn't when the level of competition when like og and or nip were able to break down some of the situations just a little bit more thoroughly isn't it also like very telling that a cd side inferno is where they look the best in both the games Right, it's very telling. Yeah. Right, so it's a map where the city side. It's something if you know what you're doing, you don't really have to rely on what your opponents are throwing at you. You can do what you have to do to get that map control to be a little bit more aggressive, not too uh, hyper aggressive. And they were looking good on Inferno, but yeah, I have to agree with you. Like on the other maps where it's a little bit more different, that approach it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, like Overpass, I was watching them, and like they're like. Tarek and Cirque on A site are usually like pretty solid. You know, they usually do a pretty good job, but like they were constantly getting exploited by like Rez and just, you know, various lurkers, whoever. Just constantly just getting caught off guard. Like their setups were bad. They they weren't in the right spots. And then like on their T side, like for one, like they were they weren't controlling the rotate to well at all, but even like there were some times where they were just trying to hit B like over and over and over, and it just wasn't working, like ever. Like none of their hits worked. NIP was just shutting them all down, OG was just shutting them all down, like they'd have like four people there. So definitely, they still need to feel out their macro a bit and kind of get that figured out, making better decisions. Yeah, I think in that OG series as well, Nantu was getting a lot of picks onto them, whether it was opening picks or just in general. He's getting picks and being able to live very easily in a lot of situations. And I don't know whether that's just a, just a mark of the series and Nantu playing really well or whether it's going to be something that EG are just going to struggle with uh, initially as they arrive in Europe because in in North America the only players who were really opening rounds with the op like that would be like Art, Henny, and I I don't Sorry. really want to count Stewie or yeah, well Cirque's on their team, right? So they haven't really played against <laughs> they haven't really played against an opera that's that's getting set up very well by their team that's going consistently for those opening duels, aside from Art and Henny. Like Liquid don't have it. Uh and then from there you're looking at like gratisfaction i guess but past there there's there's very few players who are that at that sort of level with the op and are being set up very well by their team so it's gonna be eg might struggle initially against some of these teams that have very good offers that are very good at setting those up 
Uh, so that's also part of their adoption of arriving there. Keep shit talking the vanity op. No, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> um, I, it pains me to say this, but I'm going to bring it up. I guess. What do you guys think though is happening with breeze? Cause he is the second worst rated player so far in this initial group stage at, at blast. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna say jet lag. I'm just oh, two best apologies. of threes, man. Two best yeah, of I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's two best of threes. But Breeze usually top, like he's usually at the top for each. Like, he's tired, bro. He's tired. Simple you know, had okay. two back to back days with negative rating. You know what? Simple did have, have that those days. He did have yeah those two days. two days back to back where he had a negative rating. So if you're gonna have that, Breeze, you're gonna have a bad day. I'm All I'm saying okay is per- Perfecto with coronavirus did better than like Jesus. Every, every struggles oh, in the next wow. event. <laughs> You can start. You can start that, but after two, after like five maps, this guy's like, "What is happening to Breeze?" <laughs> <laughs> Jet lag's worse than coronavirus or Counter Strike player. By the okay. way, the event before that, Breeze had a one point forty seven rating. So I know. Hold, okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Let's just talk it up to that, and we'll. we'll Has we'll Breeze fallen off? <laughs> <laughs> we'll dive into this a little bit deeper if this kind of uh, form continues, but I, I hope it does not. Because I am a huge breeze. I'm a stan, actually. I stan yeah, breeze. I was about to say I'm a breeze stan. Yeah, yeah. An NA, you have to be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, you do. Um. All right. All right. All right. Let's uh let's move a little bit further farther east in Europe to uh, Zerush. I thought you were gonna go to Asia there. Fuck. Thank God. No, not not quite. Not quite. But <laughs> maybe Ooh, maybe maybe no, when no, there's no, an no, Asia no. minor or something like that that we can talk about. But I want to be part of a podcast where I don't touch Asian cows, trying to lose brain cells for a change. Well, you're here. You're here. And we don't really talk about that. We rarely make it this far east, actually. So we are, but we are going to talk about it. Uh, Virtus Pro uh, winning IEM, whatever this event is, IEMCIS, whatever the, the big label is. But it's. Uh, uh, they, yes. Yes. Okay. Let's just start with Yekindar. Yekindar, Yeki, my boy Yek Yek. Dude, I watched this guy on their CT sites. I love him so much. See, like this guy needs info. Like he craves info. He craves. He needs like he needs something to happen. Like, he's not just gonna sit back on their sides and just do whatever. Like just sit back. You know, like I'm sure it's probably a problem they had in the past is like a Dren and Jame. Um, you know, maybe at times just too passive. But Yekandar, I'm watching this guy, and this guy's just holding W like the entire time. Like he'll start at B site at the start of the round. He like I saw a round where he's like coughing. And then he like yeah. rotated around the A to go like clear mid, and then he cleared mid and there was no one there. So instead he just like flanked mid and then he flanked the B players. <laughs> yes. So he started the round playing Kaufman at B, and then he ends up flanking them on the B exec by like going mid. And like this guy is just all over the place. Like he's just constantly just making shit happen, and he's actually just such a sick player mechanically too. Like it's just so much fun to watch. He's a CIS art. His mechanics. Yeah, like, if a report came out tomorrow and it said Yekindar uh, caught for trigger botting, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's that totally makes sense <laughs> to me." Yeah, like this dude is so fast with the rifle; it's crazy. When he just okay, so he gets aggressive, and then sometimes he'll just post in the middle of nowhere and just like spray down two people or like just burst them both in the face as they're rounding the corner, and it's like. How the hell are you that good at rifling online? Like it's actually unbelievable to watch. So it's I hope he succeeds because that brand of Counter Strike is always going to be entertaining. So yeah, I yeah. Love and, and 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 in comparison, like I watch like watching VP and watching Yekindar, 
and then watching like Navi in comparison, it just felt so uninspired at times from Navi. Yes. Like, compared yeah. to like compared to like watching Yekinar. It seemed like VP had so much going on, like they had so much diversity with this lineup now. Like it's so much better than no no like disrespect to Adran, but it's it's a lot better than the previous lineup with Adran and Yekindar. This one with Buster. I think overall just has a lot more skill, a lot more diversity to it. And it's just a ton of fun to watch and see what they do with it. What was their last good event before I am? I'm just looking. Well, they won the Flashpoint to close quality, actually. Which is oh, yeah, which was actually yeah. surprisingly stacked in terms of like EU competition, I would say. Like a lot of kind yeah, of like actually, all... I didn't expect them to win unless they just came out and came back yeah. to like good form coming out. So it's looking good. Uh, kind of stacked, but yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it's, stack, it's always the usual case. Stack for a qualifier. Right. I'll say stack for yeah, a qualifier. Yeah, fair enough. But but then when the best known names here are going to be, let's say, you know, a, a Godsend or a North, or you know, you have a Saw and an Endpoint over there, you're like, hmm, really? I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like mega stacked, but I think what that indicates is that what they brought into that tournament was definitely solid enough that mm. when we see them play at Flashpoint, uh, we're gonna like you can expect that they're not gonna just like fall on their faces or anything like that. Like they, oh yeah, they beat, yeah, yeah. They beat Godsent, and Godsent was like, I to me, I was kind of like, I was kind of thinking like, who are, who is Flashpoint going to invite to this? And I was like, Godsent wouldn't be a bad team to invite, like or anything. Like they would be, they'd be solid to watch there. And the fact that VPs just like get the hell out of here, you know, they 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 handled them so. I mean, just like looking at the list for Flashpoint 2 here, there's maybe three teams I can see beating VP or like yeah. giving them a good shot. So I think they have a very good chance of placing high in this tournament. But like, I would Who say are those three teams? Can you just tell me? Big, Fnatic. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this laughter at? Okay. Third? Sorry, should I? I would pick North with MSL, but he's not in here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh. I don't know. I would say yeah. See, big fanatic and uh, Cloud Nine's hard to say just because we haven't seen them play no. yet. Like, Wait, did, didn't you bring an OG there? You didn't mention OG. OG as well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that'd be like those three, and then Cloud Nine, depending on how they play. But I haven't seen them play yet, so I can't really make that a statement. We yeah, have lost the rounds. I think Yekinder's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, uh, lots of professional rounds. Yeah. So. <laughs> He's, no, he's the kind of player I'm interested in seeing like the time to kill stats for, like the the stats that HLTV doesn't really track or at least doesn't have displayed publicly. Like some of the time to kill, time to like his spray down accuracy, stuff like that is very, very high. So those those stats would be interesting to sort of dig up and analyze for for him specifically. You need the leadify stats for this. Yeah, one. exactly. <laughs> Okay, I guess that brings me to the question, though. So, I, th I would say Note kind of gave his prediction already. So, Bleh, looking at the Flashpoint 2 team list, where do you see Virtus Pro finishing? And yes, I have to say Virtus it like that. Pro. All right. Oh, dude, Just because that guy know. at Epicenter said that that one time, he's like, Virtus Pro. And it's I'm pretty sure, actually. Yeah, just, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I don't even know the format, dude. I'm such a terrible analyst. Um, uh, it's like it's really thorough and okay just just like without even knowing the format it's like it does a good job to make sure that the best teams will come out on top so okay almost mm -hmm. like in your ranking here if you just ranked it here 
All right. Uh, whew, quickly, you have your Forza, you got OG, you got Fnatic, Genji. We don't even know what the fuck's happening there. I'm going to say, unless like Cloud9, right, actually, like, you know, just blow everyone's minds. They actually. This is, this is a top four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually a top four placing for me. At least based on the, the results, like we saw in IEM. But again, it's always that, like, you know, are they going to continue that form? But I don't really see any other teams who are really challenging them. That's a problem. So yeah, top four for me. But also it's online, so I just you just never know. Mm, true. Well, yep. well, I mean, we do know that like C9, we're going to be in the finals. Like, you know, it's probably at the very least. <laughs> and then everyone's just fighting for everyone, everything else. I saw the <laughs> script already. We're already writing up the script for this tournament. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't you know if Cloud9 is write, there. Why, why would you write the script and not have Cloud9 win? <laughs> what kind of script are you writing? Yeah, that's true. That actually, <laughs> we wrote it. We wrote it, and dig and dig makes it all the way. I thought you were gonna say fours, reward them for their. It's uh, dig and fours in the finals. Yeah. Reward fours for their good behavior. And contact comes in a in a in a third in a hard fought third, actually. Uh, who's even? Oh, MIBR. They they got their lineup, didn't they? Mm. I did want to mention one thing though about fours is that i actually am kind of pissed off about that the fact the that what? they hired the coaching the thing they hired, yeah, yeah. It's, oh like, fucking hell yeah if you guys, actually, wanna, if you guys want to say your piece so about annoying, it because my position oh, it's okay. so it's so dumb seeing these orgs that are just like letting these people that literally cheat this guy cheated like 434 400 times yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a week later he's got another job like what, what, am I, what is this what's the name of the of the fours uh the ceo whoever we tweeted out saying everyone who no disagrees idea. with this is a moron or something right he tweeted out about that and uh i feel like you know using his coach cam he he's got some compromising pictures of the ceo or something that is literally <laughs> the only fucking explanation and then he sees everyone quoting like the that that tweet from four has been like hey man they're, they're uh, making fun of me, insulting or make, make statement. And then he's like, oh, shit, okay, fine. I have to make a statement right now. I feel that is the only logical reason why you would go for this step. Like, even if you're going to get this guy to, like, um, you know, train some of these up-and-coming kids or whatnot, why would you even make that public? It's not exactly. been a couple of weeks, for <laughs> fuck's sake. This is 101, how not to do social media, how not to, like... I don't. I don't even know what they're thinking, dude. Like, like if, it, 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 if it came out in like three months that like like Zoner had been working with fours like young like coach like weird team that I don't even care about, like I probably would have saw it <laughs> and been like, I don't care. Like I don't. I don't. I don't even remember this guy. But yeah. the fact that they did it like a week after and they're announcing it and like trying to defend and, and I think it, it's like I think the worst part as well is like if you look at certain other coaches who, uh, you look at. Uh, uh, Furious coach, for example, right, and and then like how he was very open about it. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I take the I uh, take the punishment, and whatnot. And then you have someone like Regin who uh, who didn't do it at all ever with mouse sports, but he's now been taken out. And then you find this guy. So like, I achieve four hundred maps, but I shall start my Taylor redemption by influencing young kids. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Redemption. <laughs> I would be livid if I was any of the other coaches. And Listen, CIS social media can be a little weird at times, but this this one's this one's a little too much, even yeah. for me. I feel like I have to call out my uh, my coworker prof a little bit because I saw him tweet about comparing this to Steel, and it's just like it's not even a close comparison. You can't <laughs> Listen, I, at I, all. I, 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 that was a bad impression. That was a bad impression. 
He's probably the Prophet. I know what he's yeah, up to. Beating. Yeah, just from beating. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Prof in the morning is equivalent to me after like half a bottle of tequila. That's like the only that's, explanation. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Half a bottle of getting. tequila before that tweet. I don't know when people when, when people said that was in the morning. I was like, geez, I felt like a, a buzz tweet at least, like for sure. 100%. Like, yeah, it's one of those like I'm trying to be too woke for my own good kind of things. Like <laughs> you got to just settle down, put the put the put the <laughs> pint down, put it down. Yeah, think about the tweet. All right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to choose not to give my prediction for Virtus Pro because as an analyst for for this tournament I uh I have to do it on broadcast. No, it's cuz um I need to research what the hell like this Mad Lions team. I have to research a couple of these teams cuz I don't know what's going on. Mad Lions. Coxie's been around for a while and I have never looked at him as like sort of guy would be picked up for this Mad Lions lineup honestly. It doesn't With make IGL. Sense to me. Yeah, he's so you know, mm. people just don't care about him. He's an IGL, and uh, um, <clears throat> him and Refresh were on the Copenhagen Flames lineup that came in dead last place at this tournament at uh, the last Flashpoint at Flashpoint One. And they didn't the play other, that bad though. They didn't. From what I remember from they, the eye they, test, they got they, weren't they got bad. a yeah they got a pretty rough group draw because I remember I, we yeah. we eliminated them and they definitely weren't like a bad team to play. They they def- there's definitely like I actually can. Call this actually having played them before. Um, played Hooksy. I felt like Copenhagen Flames actually did have like a pretty solid way of playing CS. I feel like they were a bit too predictable in some fashion, so that's probably an area where I assume Peacemaker will be able to help Hooksy out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I felt like they played pretty good CS. I'm ex- I don't know if they'll be better than the last squad. That's definitely remains to be seen. Um, but I I I think they'll be at least a, a solid team. I just don't think they get away with like a playoffs placement out of these teams because like maybe in the old format for Flashpoint, which is I think they're supposed to have two or three phase plays per per group, like they yeah. reseed the teams and whatnot. But uh, Monte Cristo did an interview with HLTV and he said that there's only going to be one phase play per group uh, for this event, just for logistics and time time reasons. And so, like I could see a team like Mad Lions sneaking out in that sort of situation. I don't know if I see them. Taking out in this sort of pool of teams. How many games have they played with this new lineup? I just see two. Maps. Not many. Pretty I new. It's something yeah, like yeah. that. It's really and, new. And, and, yeah. and even before when they had Innocent, uh, it, the results weren't really that great when they had that Eden Arena tournament as well, right? Yeah. So now they had like a, a full reset, got rid of Asylion, thrown on Hooksy. Mm-hmm. I want to throw this out there though that the other three players behind. Hooksy and Refresh were Farlig, now on Godsent, pretty solid opper, and Tessis on the best team in the world. So if you're working with those pieces and your Copenhagen Flames then, like, probably should have had slightly better results. I know their group draw wasn't super easy, but they lost I mean, their, they lost a contact, okay? They lost I guess, contact. but like, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, looking at the players that Mad Lions has surrounding them, fucking Shush, Acor, and who am I forgetting? Roj? Lubsky. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Roy. 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 Yeah. 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 It's just bad. Uh, I don't know why it's spelled like that. I don't know. Uh, Danish. I don't know. I, 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 actually, wait, wait, wait Farlig and Acorn were in, on at the same time? No, no I'm talking about Copenhagen Flames. Copenhagen oh, Flames. Oh, yeah. Flames. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I still think this lineup will be pretty solid. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. All right. 
Um, so it gets top twelve at this. I think event, I think Refresh right? should be a bit underrated. By the way, I think he kind of fell Refresh, off. Refresh. He fell Refresh off the was a breakup player, right? He he was a breakup yeah. player from that uh, the the Fraxters roster. Fraxters. It was Bubsky, yeah. Dragonfly, Refresh. Uh, who else was there? A couple of big names. I forget. But anyway, he was a breakout player, then he just like disappeared for a bit. But I think Bobsky yeah, was there. Too. Yeah, yeah, Bobsky was there. Uh, Bobsky, dude, that was like wait, there was like four very big names in that lineup. They were well, they rotated a couple players. I'm pretty sure. Like I don't, I'm not 100 percent if Bobsky was there when yeah, everybody Bubsky else there? was there. Like uh, there, there I, I, think he, I think he was, but I think Stown was also maybe there. Like, Stown was there. Stavin, 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 yeah, 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 Stavin, yeah, yeah. Refresh, Bobsky, Dragonfly. And Torben. Yes, Dude, those I, are the five. It's kind of nasty. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they were all playing at the. Were they all playing at the same this, time? I, I think I, they that were. That was my that was my first EU event. I remember it was like this. Uh, uh, the star ladder, they like that's net, that's net masters or whatever, and they had a fucking deeper under. I was yeah. like, what the? Ooh, these guys yeah. are good. They actually came out. They were played pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or some shit. Yeah. Okay, let's just Man. stick with the Flashpoint teams and talk about MIBR's lineup. Do you guys have any thoughts on the players that they have picked up? So they uh, picked up. Not for... really. To me, it's just like kind of like a ragtag group, Flashpoint. Yeah. And I do think they actually could do damage, though, just because of that fact. Like, I doubt there's going to be like a ton of pressure on them. And also, I do think they have some like pretty good individual players, especially in like VSM and. And KNG and I'm sure TRK can always pop off, so they could definitely do some damage at Flashpoint. They're like, they're like a team that I don't expect to make like a deep run, but the way they're set up, I think could really upset a couple teams and ruin a couple runs. Yeah, I think VSM on this roster is a really interesting prospect for sure. Um, I just question their in-game leader situation. If KNG is still IGLing, I just don't know whether he has enough experience to go up against a lot of these teams that they're going to be against. Yeah, and. That lack of experience, I think, will just come back to bite them because they have good riflers and they have good players, but I just don't know. I just don't think their their overall in-game leader experience will be enough to overcome like most of the teams in this tournament. Yeah. That's what I mean though, is that I doubt they're gonna be like trying to like I doubt Kenny just be like trying to be like a really good, sophisticated IGL. Like more than likely it's probably gonna be more simple calling, more loose calling. And that type of style can really fuck up some teams. Yeah, looking at looking at most of the teams playing, I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised if they had um, a decent run. You know, not not going to be like a top five, even a top six, if you ask me. I'm surprised about Kogu. Like, what's been up to? Like, I know he was playing for a bit, but it's been a long time since I've seen his name like in like high tier Counter Strike. So, him coming in as a coach, I don't know. I have to agree. It feels like a ragtag. Like, hey, we need to get five players on. We need a coach as well. Let's just get these guys on. You got Kogu. Great social media presence right there. A lot of, a lot of Brazilians going to be supporting this team, mainly because of him as well. But I don't know. See, like they're a team that, like, for like even say <laughs> us, like could be like a problem. Say like we play them like an opening match or something. You know, like you mm -hmm. know we open up against a team that we've never played before. That's just going to play super loose in our face and stuff. Like it's a team that could definitely fuck up, if, fuck up and trip up a few teams in Flashpoint. Yeah, and they're not like a threat to win it. I feel like this is just MIBR's attempt to sort of bring their brand name back to a good standing because, like, after that trio of players sort of just left the team or two of them got kicked and fallen left, like, the MIBR name was really not not in a good light. Uh, so picking up a player like VSM, who's constantly been 
uh, stock on a team like Daytona and also just being able to sort of bring his uh, his brand his brand level as well as like Lucas's brand to, to the team to try and revive it a little bit. I think that's that's what they're aiming for. They're not aiming to keep a majority of these players on. I think Leo Drunky and VSM are only on. Uh, I think they're on a on a loan for two tournaments or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's just an attempt to to sort of bring that brand back up and then find permanent replacements for them anyway. I don't believe in the core as well. Yeah, you don't believe in the Leo drunk, the Le- the Leo, Leo DRK, no Leo Dirk, the Leo DRK. Yeah, it's Leo Dirk now. The DRK TRK bros. What a sellout! Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to kind of agree though with with everything that's been said here. I don't I don't think I even need to say anything more. Uh, but something we can talk about more is another roster move, which has been finalized today. Actually, we are probably the first podcast to talk about this, guys. So uh, this is this is uh, Faze parting ways with Yanko. No, this is actually Nico signing for G two. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so G two confirmed the Nico signing, uh, and. I mean, there's a million things we can talk about with this. Okay, first thing is, okay, Amanek, uh Wait, Amanek was removed, right? That's the... He was... I check, actually. <laughs> wait, so it's like a six-man thing is what they're saying. They said, they like said initially... No one getting removed. There's, yeah, no one getting removed. So he was going to get removed, but then it, they're, they're just keeping it... Like, they're keeping him. So they're going to do a six-man thing. Uh, who would you remove in that team for Nico? Like, uh, it'll depend. Know. Just like they're gonna have to go. I'm sure they have like a few different ideas in terms of how they're gonna switch things around and like their ideas for how they want to like, implement Nico into the team because Nico's also a very first player himself, and so is like Nexa. So I'm curious to see what they'll do and like how they'll try to implement him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I think it should work out pretty well, especially their T sides. I think their T sides will be fine because I think Omnic generally was pack. I think mm-hmm. Hunter. I think Hunter and Jax are usually the workers, or either way, at least they, they'll be able to do that. Um, so I think their T sides will be fine. Their CT sides might take a bit more to figure out, figuring out the spots, because I think Nico and Nexo overlap a lot. So just figuring out like who's going to slide more into Omnic spots. Um, I, th- I also have a lot of faith in Malik, their coach, to like figure these things out, especially in work with a six-man roster really well. Um, I think he's like one of the best coaches in the scene, so oh, I have a lot of faith in him to a lot of faith in him to figure it out. And I don't I actually... even mind the shakeup, though. Like, I'm sorry, just like just to add on to what he said right there, mm-hmm. like, you know, fitting into Amanek's spot wide, right? Like, I mean, if you're getting someone like fucking Nico coming in, I wouldn't mind a full-on shakeup. And I feel like Malik would be the sort of guy who could do that, right? Just shake everything up, mix things up, and see how it clicks. You got the right ingredients right now. Yeah, I think a shakeup would sort of be necessary because, like, Amanek runs in a lot on T-side, he runs in first, like the number of times I've seen Amanek just run in with a Mac 10 into into bomb sites and just multi frag people is is a bit nuts. And that's not a role that Nico's gonna fill. Like Nico's yeah. gonna be. <laughs> I feel like if anything, Nexa is gonna do more of that because I, I yeah. feel like Nexa, like especially when you're already the IGL and you're getting a player like Nico in, like yeah. there's a part of you that's gonna be like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like I'm just gonna run in from Mac 10 and just like I have Nico backing me up, like kill everyone and we'll win. I was kind of hoping that's what was going to happen to FaZe once they got cold, that Nico would be able to run in a little bit more and make space for cold. But here we are with Nico on a new team in just a yeah. few months later. <laughs> so that's uh, that's that. Um, Could there's just some, because I actually did want to say uh, about FaZe. 
As I said, I actually think this would be like a beneficial move for both teams. Um, I think this is a really, really perfect opportunity for FaZe to kind of had a, hit like an identity reset, which I think they mm. really, really need. Because I don't, yes. like, I don't think players like, you know, Rain, Cole, Rain. Like, like, all these players, they're not like bad players and like, you know, shit no. players that, no, they that are you know, <laughs> that, you know, can't Save be Rain. stars on Save teams. Rain. Oh. So like, they definitely can get in like a new IGL or like, you know, whatever they plan to do, a new coach, you know, just a new identity just in general. And they can instantly be even better than they were with Nico. And just like Nico could be even better on G2. Did it mention what the, what the buyout was? I, I think, I don't think, think, the G, think mm. G2 guy like trolled. He just put some fake numbers <laughs> and like eggplant emojis on everything. Like he tried, <laughs> he basically parodied the Henry G tweets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of what I expected out of Carlos. Though. It's like the exact it's, it's Carlos, tweet he would have. Yeah. 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 I love, I, I love the fucking video they made of kidnapping him. That's like so much better than when Cold Zero got announced by FaZe. Cold Zero, yeah. baby! Yeah! Dude! You mean the same announcement where he was like in the background of a window for like a month before they actually announced him? And a photo of Nico and he's just sitting there. Oh, yeah, the I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, that got leaked so early. It's just no, no, no. It was when it was when they were traveling to an event like New York. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, and and Cold like took a picture of like Nico and someone else, and they made it obvious that like Cold was the one taking the picture. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. I remember, I remember I can't, yeah, yeah, I forgot what was shown, but yeah, Dude, I remember. I actually obvious. remember. I actually remember walking into the, the ESL New York hotel like before before that even got announced, and I walk in, I just see. And I just see a phase jersey with cold zero on the back, like at the reception table. And I was like, oh, that's so that's so that's definitely a thing. But <laughs> uh, you go, know, I'm walking into a hotel lobby and seeing a phase cold zero jersey, by the way, at that time was very surprising to see. <laughs> yeah, that's a little early, too. Yeah. Um, bring it bring it back to G2. One thing that Maniac told me at, at the event is that. Uh, something with G2. So, like, they fell off this year kind of hard. Like, they were really good at the beginning of the year. And you could really tell that the way they played was, like, they were coming up with new execs. They were, like, anti-stratting every opponent. They were putting in, like, blame F hours. And then they fell off really hard. And what Maniac said was that basically G2 realized this wasn't sustainable, that we couldn't, we can't put that many hours into every match. We can't actually prep that hard every single time and expect to have any life force left in us. So I think what's nice about this is that when you have Nico on your team, like I say this and we've seen FaZe be awful, but it kind of does raise their floor in a way. It kind of just like you can't, you can put in less effort day to day and you have just so much better, such, such a better uh, overall like level of firepower that you're always going to have or clutching ability. And and like especially with Nico not calling, hopefully, hopefully he's not calling. Uh, <laughs> then gonna, yeah, yeah. Then like I feel like the way G two plays is good enough right now that you're basically like you. Sh this should be a team that makes the quarterfinals of every tournament. Like surely, like and I'm and I'm trying to be like realistic about this and not be like if they're all in form, like they're gonna win or anything like that. It's like it's like no, they should just probably make quarters. Like I don't actually. Unless see they, uh, unless they have to go up against ATK again, then they might be they might be a oh. little shook. <laughs> yep, they might fall apart on land to to flop. To yeah, flop on land. The flop the flop. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like 
I, okay, I'll just put, I'll just throw this question out there. So this should this should improve G two. Like, will this improve phase though? We kind of we kind of touched on it already, but do you think you you said I think Mix you said that this is a good reset for them that mm-hmm. they they can now get an identity reset. Do you think they will get better? Like, once they actually like, I'm not saying anything with like the Olaf lineup, like you know Olaf standing in, um, yeah. ignoring that, ignoring this lineup. I do think obviously waiting on to see who they actually get for a coach and for a fifth. Um, I do think this has a lot of potential to actually make them better. Um, like even if like they got like an Azer, like as like a fifth, like just the total identity oh, reset, the yeah. total identity reset that it hits on the team, I, I think like is going, is going to benefit them. Blah. What do you think? I thought neighbors dog shut up now. It was just a popping off right there in the background. Um, I agree. I think the Azer thing really, really is very enticing, right? You need, you need an in-game leader for a long time. The Olaf thing, I feel, is going to be temporary. Um, I don't want to really harp much on that, but I, I think it's a good idea. Not just as necessarily, but I've always felt like with with this with FaZe, it's just this, it lacks a leader. And I don't mean as a coach or as an in-game leader, but someone to kind of rally behind, if that makes sense, right? Like, uh, or e- even as an org, like if you look at, for example, complexity, you have someone like Jason Lake, where he's like, I'm building a team. Like, this is my baby. This is my pet project, right? You have him being on top over there. You look at uh, Cloud9, you have you know Henry G coming on in. And you always have this one person who can be kind of like the, uh, the center, the pillar, for a new team to be built up on. And then you look at FaZe and you look at personalities over there and you look at the egos that naturally come with that. I'm saying ego, not in a negative way, but you know, just generally having an ego, so to speak, which is completely normal. And when you're a player like a Rain, like a fucking Cold Zera, you 100% deserve to have an ego. But I feel like there's no one taking the, the mantle, so to speak, like holding the, the scepter saying, okay, all right, we're going to build this around this system, this structure altogether. So, but as they're coming in, I like the idea but will they rally around him, right? I feel like he needs someone like a Kassar to hold his hand together and both of them can try and kind of like build that system around them. So I like the idea of a rebuild. I just don't know who's going to be it. And I'm, it doesn't have to be just an in-game leader. It just it could be also someone yeah. like uh, a coach, a manager coming in, someone who they're going to listen to and be like, all right, let's make this happen. But I feel like it is so hard to find someone like that. And this is a question which goes back a couple of years when we had even Nico in that team. We had all those star plays with Olaf and everyone. And we're like, who are they going to really listen to? Yanko came in. You know, he had his ups and downs. Now he's left. Who's going to be that guy? I feel like someone like Kassad and Azur coming together. I think that could work. But is that even going to happen, though? Is Kassad going to come back to that from Cloud9? Of course not, right? So the person. Like, I, I, we need that one person. We need, like, a Henry G, a Jason Lake, or for that matter, even... Even a Kassad coming in. That's something that uh, that that phase roster has always lacked, right? Like having somebody actually dedicated to sort of building that and keeping that roster as an entity. Because phase as an organization just don't seem interested in their CS:GO team as much. Like they don't seem. It's a brand like value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be surprised how many teams still operate with like just kind of like a group decision type thing of like. How they make changes. Lots of them, dude. It's yeah, fucking crazy. And, it's, and it's terrible. Like it, it's never gonna be better long term than just having like one set voice. So, but you know, if you get someone in to come in, and like someone's gonna come in to control phase, IGL coach, whoever, and mm. you look at the lineup that they're being given, and it's like Rain, Kierby, Brokey, and Cold Zero. Like that's a banger lineup still. Like that's still a lot of skill in one team. So, 
there's there's a lot to work with still there and i think but, they but, can easily uh, come back but that's always a problem right like if if given an opportunity like uh for of having five comparative nobodies who would listen to me i'd rather work with that that would work with like four superstars who might not be looking to buy into my vision. And I feel like, again, I'm not, I'm, I was, I'm assuming a lot here, you know, I'm assuming a lot. I don't know these players personally that very well, but I think it's a healthy assumption to make based on what we have to work with here. So the right person, I think that is what face should be looking for, but then being face, I don't even know if they're looking at it. So there it is. The, the, a combo I could see potentially doing work for them would be something like an Azure sponge combo where, as as coach and uh, and their player because they have history together, they would be able to bring some structure to the team. They would be able to sort of assert themselves as they already have experience together, and that would work well. I don't know if Sponge is is thinking of going into a coaching role or not, but uh, that could be a potential uh, combo that would work for them. Maybe. I mean, I mean, you 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 look at Moses like Jason joining. Uh joining his team, right, joining Liquid, and then many people like, you know, what the hell, that doesn't make sense, he hasn't really been playing professional CS in a very, very long time and all of that. But I feel for me, Jason coming in is more about, it's Jason Moses O'Toole, you will respect him, you know who the fuck he is, he's a guy who, you know, he's got that, that, that fuck you attitude, in the best way possible, is fucking Jason, right? And I feel like that is something where Liquid probably needed, and that's something you can't get from just going through demos, just, you know, having kind of like a hive mind discussion all the time. And I feel like there's something, someone you need Unfortunately, it's fucking hard to find someone like that. But yeah, I have to agree. Like someone like Sponge, someone like Ozzy going with him, someone like a Kassad. You know what I mean, right? Someone really hard-nosed. You can't have someone who's going to be like, uh, I wouldn't expect um, a more democratic coach going in and be like, hey, right, guys, what do you guys think about this idea? No, that's not going to work. You need the guy coming in, laying down law, saying, listen, we're going to fucking do it this way. We're going to so do shit. So let's bring it back to phase briefly. Then, do you think Yanko did that? Uh, I think it was tough for him to fully do that with Nico there as well. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there was too much of a personal relationship there to really be that effective. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I feel like I don't think he was given enough control by the org at all. Like, look at how Zonic is given so much control over Astralis and the way they swap out their players. I don't think Yanko had that sort of ability. And it's also yeah. like uh, also like a social dynamic thing. Like you'll always notice when you have like, um, think of a classroom, right? And you have a teacher coming in, and then you have like five or six kids over there, and a the teacher he's got to maintain control over there. But if he has a a student who's no who's known from a while ago, it it does not help when he's trying to, you know, kind of like lead the classroom all together. I was going to be like, all right, he's kind of his favorite. I'm not saying he was a favorite, but when you have personal dynamics with a certain player, especially someone like a Nico, uh, you know, such a big personality out there, I feel like it would have, from the initial get-go, kind of influenced things and his decision-making ability. I still feel Bianca would have really worked well with, a, with maybe a different team, maybe an NA team for that matter. Do you guys want to guess how many S-tier events Yanko has won as a coach? Two? Zero. Does Pascal? I don't remember. It's yeah, it's zero. It's actually zero. I was I was a little surprised too, yeah. Blast doesn't count, I guess. Yeah. No, he won some Blast Pro Copenhagen regular season top three thing. I okay, like if you count coming in the top of a group that multiple people also won, I guess he won that. But yeah, that kind of surprised me. 
I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get into that one. Actually, <laughs> I, I like. There's lots there. There's a lot, there's a lot more there besides Yanko. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel yeah. too. I feel like it's, it's like, it's almost like less fair. Like, I almost feel like can, can we like have, can we like identify independent and dependent variables when making roster changes? Because I would really love to just see Nico leave and Yanko stay. So Yanko can now do a little bit more like we've been mentioning with a different IGL, like work together now at some point, like, because then it would, it would, that's also, that's also his call at the end of the day. So yeah, it is. But, but, but would that work when you have established a dynamic with three of the other core players over the past year and a half, two years, right? Would that shift really, maybe they need something new as well. It may not, but it would help. I could say that it would probably help the IGL coming in in some way that the coach can say like, hey, if you want to run this kind of like setup or strategy or style, these kind of like, this is what they're really best at. Even though the IGL should probably know that because everybody watches phase. So, but it kind of is one of those things where I feel like it would just ease the growing pains a little bit um, as opposed to some like big phase swap where they get, let's say like, like you said, Azur sponge or something like that. Like that would be so drastic. That. I mean, that's what's going to be happening now anyway, right? Like, they've lost everything. They've lost the IGL, they've lost the coach, they've lost Nico. Yeah, Star, they so. they kind of just have to have a huge identity shift. Um, <sighs> all okay. Okay, all right. Let's, uh, another player, another player out, another player potentially in here. So Ariel is out of ends temporarily, it seems like, for, med- for like, medical reasons is what it was said. But mm-hmm. it's been reported by DK that this is... Perhaps Zen, Zane. I've heard both pronounced. Zen. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard both, but somehow, but I, I hear Zen more often. I feel like it's Zen, but I, I think it's Zen. Yeah, I, I'm gonna just say Zen. All right, so Zen, 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 Uh, no, so Zen, Zen is targeted to be replaced though, or the replacement. And I want to tackle this from two different angles. One, uh, what did we think? Like, was Ariel? Like is Ariel a solid piece for the Ents that is that they're gonna miss? For one, let's start. Let's start there. Uh, they replace him with Zen, then probably not so much. <laughs> okay. Um, and just pretty and just overall, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just overall, he's he hasn't he hasn't been like bad, but I mean, he never really stood out to me besides the, like one blast event that they won. So, yeah. um, when we yeah, I want to say this also. Helpful. I want to say this also about about that blast event. That was when Ariel had 110 hours in the past two weeks. Like, that dude yeah. grinded his ass off to own at one blast event, and he literally is just, like, unheard. Like, he's always been okay, but, like, in my eyes, as, like, a pro, he's been pretty, like, mediocre, in all honesty. Like, he's been, like, that event, he owned. Like, he looked great. Like, he was hitting every shot. Looked like his decision-making decision and, like, the conviction he took every fight with was, like, there. But then after that, it's, like, he really uh he's always just kind of okay like yeah he's just all right you know he's just okay he's just kind he's of kind of just he was kind of just another piece and answer me and then yeah you know, there's there's like alexi b and there's alu and then you know obviously um, sergey sergey then, then you just kind of have ariel and you just kind of had x7 you just, yeah pretty much just, there's yeah there's kind of there at times i felt like i mean put it this way he's not an irreplaceable piece in this roster by any means like yeah. there's there's no way he's a player that you you think that oh we'll never be able to find someone who who can fit into his slots or or take his place on this roster. It's just not 
one of the pieces that they but need. That said, he was a lot better before the uh, so maybe you know taking the break, mental health break will uh, you know help him out or whatever the break was for. I don't know exactly, but I think it's a like health. Yeah, so something like I think that. It's an indefinite so, like, Yeah, it was an indefinite health leave. You know who is 27 is Ariel, not RPK. That's kind of surprising. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of 27 year olds. Bring it back. I, I feel like when when uh, we had the entire Sunny joining uh, ends discussion right before the entire Lexi B break happened, um, Shit, the discussion Sunny's was. Sorry, no, sorry. I meant like when Sunny was about to join. Oh, no, uh, I was I was saying to myself, like, I forgot that Sunny's lands. Yeah, um, <laughs> you forgot that. It's, it is easy well, to forget. It's it's honestly really easy to forget what they're doing yeah. over there on ends sometimes. Sturgis been sucking as well, but yeah, like the discussion it's... was always. Well, it, it's true though. He's been kind of crap recently. The team as a whole has been looking rough. I like Natu though. I feel bad for Natu. Uh, Ariel and X7. Like these are the two guys we, we kept. Like uh, those are the two names coming up, right? Who is Sunny going to replace in that lineup? It was always X7. It was always Ariel. So is Zen coming in going to make much of a difference? I don't think so. I think Ents are in an even worse identity crisis right now. They need to figure out what the hell they want to do. They have a few events remaining here this year to like do that, but. They are lost. And I don't yeah. think it's just about... The moment, they seem like yeah. lost and just trying to keep chugging along and keep trying just to make it work. Just the wall, yeah, yeah. seeing what sticks, and nothing sticking, honestly. Yeah. They're, they're like a Finnish MIBR in that they are just... They have to just get more Finnish players. Like, I mean, it's like the, the, whatever works. Like, just they're trying so desperately to just swap in and swap out pieces. And like, dude, this... Like Yampy thing, also like Yampy has not been that good for them like, either. At this like, point, it might be more productive to just try to build like a time travel machine. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, they lost everything just losing out on Alexi there. I, I, I just feel honestly, I feel worse about this whole situation for Godsend than I do Ents. Like if they yeah. lose, then like mm. dude, Godsend's pretty good right now. I. I yeah. I, I, like they're never favorites a, to win an event or make a deep run or anything like that, but they're solidly like a top eight European team or something like that. Like that's good enough to be really competitive in the landscape and just continue to, you know, just like keep chugging along. I, okay, let me see what their actual ranking is. Okay, they're thirteenth in EU right now, so that's a little worse than I thought. But at the same time, the that's higher than Ents. That's better than Ents. Yeah. On the bright side, obviously, mm. you know, Zen might just want to play with the Ents guys, but. On the bright side for Godson, at least, is that, you know, being an international team, if they do lose him, they obviously have a lot more options than, like, an Ents would losing a player yeah. like that, so... True. It wouldn't be, like, the They're end of the world. Better it. Mm. Yeah, it wouldn't be, like, the end of the world for them. Obviously, it's still kind of a pain in the ass, because Ents a good player, and I assume they want to keep him, but... You know, if he wants to go to Ents, then that's what he wants to do. Oh, Zen's way older than I thought he was, actually. He's 28, hopefully. Everybody um, is so old for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't the other as well. Imagine like Godsent getting someone like Olaf as a replacement. That wouldn't be a bad shout, honestly. If Jeez. Olaf can, can sort of return <laughs> to some of his older form, I don't know. I personally, I want to see Olaf back on a Swedish team and see how that works out. But I just don't see what Swedish team would have an opening for him right now. Um, Freddy Frog's team. <laughs> Yeah, there's really nothing. No, honestly, there's really no no space available right now. I mean, like like NIP would would take a huge gamble to to swap out to put 
to put Olaf there because they are tenth, like they're tenth in the world right now, and there's no real right answer for who you should even take out from that team. Like, like for me, I'd probably take out Twist personally, but like I mm. face off of roles and what I've seen for ability for these players, but I like even that doesn't even feel like it would be a good, a great swap. So I'm not. Olaf is kind of like the the lurk, the hard lurk. He kind of was that for FaZe. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking if this could work with this. I mean, he hasn't played how long? Like seven months? Eight months? Yeah, exactly. So I don't think NIP or really any... or I mean, like the only two solid Swedish teams are Fnatic and NIP. So mm. both of those teams are in such a good state right now that you wouldn't want to just swap out for the hell of it by any means. So, I feel bad for yeah. Godsend, dude. I feel like they're they're really solid team, like you said, uh, Maui. But they just need that one star player right and like looking at the org like gods and you're not exactly a phase or for that matter like even a nip and you can't really i don't think they have the money power to like pick up a potential star player who other people would be would be wanting but i feel like that's what they need right now as a unit they look really solid and yeah losing zen would be a hard knock for them unless they gamble and go for some unknown 16 year old 15 year old swedish prodigy we don't know about maybe can i uh can i bring it back so i just I I just got the perfect IGL for phase. Ben Lee. Ben <laughs> Whalers. No. Juggernaut. Dude, no. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry, Benjamin Leet, but no, that would not be it. That just just the skill disparity is just way too massive. <laughs> it's just too it'd be too hard for them to listen to that. Match Ben. Yeah, it'd be too hard for them to match Ben skill. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't think there's really any <sighs> Cold Zero, okay. former two-time best player in the world. Let's just okay. let's actually let's actually like do this thought experiment then briefly. Okay, who could we see coming in as the IGL for phase? I feel like the number one and most obvious choice is definitely Azur. So yep. like is there anyone that could even rival that that option? I'm just trying to think what IGLs are like available <laughs> that would possibly go. Um They could buy Glaive because it's not calling anymore, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll But go. think about it. Just just think about it for a moment. If Glaive's like, I'm tired of winning everything with Astralis. Majest is calling pretty well right now. I just want to explore other options and get paid $3.1 million. Because one of his teammates did very recently. I'm just saying, hey. If there's one man that those guys are going to listen to, it'd be motherfucking Glaive. I'm just saying. I mean, I doubt it happens, but like Fallen is also available. Oh, I don't Fallen, see Kofir right. and Fallen playing again together. Oh, yeah. right That's true. Oh, never mind. Fuck oh, never mind. Yeah. Imagine, though. <laughs> That'd be yeah. Actually, that would be Fallen, an he did tweet piece. about it, right? He said, "Come back to me" or something like that. I think he just. I think it was some. Mm. Some, dude, some dude, it's gonna get announced. It's like they're announced Fallen, and then they're gonna announce Dad as the new coach. <laughs> <laughs> no. And the takeover oh, begins, no, 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 and then no, no, and then no, it's no, gonna no. be Taco for Kirby. <laughs> Taco. Taco for Kirby. <laughs> oh God. Oh man, I can see Fur really playing well instead of Rain in that team. Ooh. Oh my god, uh, it's happening! <laughs> Everyone <laughs> just slowly gets integrated. Oh, that would be such a bad luck. Um, okay, let's let's move on to some more realistic predictions then. Uh, Gla- so Blast is still running right now. Uh, the first group has finished, or it's not finished actually. It's OG versus Navi. Actually, is yeah. it over? It's, it's not. Over. No, it's, no, it's, it's literally live. live right now. Okay, let's. Yeah. Uh, let's OG not is talk currently about. up thirteen to seven. So okay. my prediction for this match would be OG. 
Okay, so um, so cool. Uh, let's let's just talk, let, maybe let's think about the other groups then. So this so group B is vitality, complexity, first round. On the other side, big phase. Uh, so two teams make it to the fall twenty twenty finals, uh, aka make it to the grand finals of this group. So between vitality, complexity, big, and phase, who do we think are the two teams that are going to make it here? Um, it's going to be complexity's debut with JKS, which is going to yeah. be really interesting. Yes. Um, yes. I so, my, my initial instinct obviously is vitality and big, which I'm sure most people would say. Um, obviously, I wouldn't rule out complexity. I mean, they have a new player, but there's so much skill in that lineup, even if it is new, that they definitely can win an online match against either of these teams. Yeah, I'm going to go with that vitality complexity. I know big would be the obvious pick, but I feel like complexity have that like yeah. the structure is still very solid. You, you get that yeah. gut feeling. Yeah, it's way yeah. man. Guys watching all the demos right now, probably. Yeah, I would say Vitality for sure. It's between Complexity and Big for me. I yeah. I feel like Complexity have a good chance. My only my only concern with them is that with JKS coming in, there's I'm sure that Blame F and JKS would have had to shift around some roles there, uh, just based on on them overlapping on T side a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how fast they've been able to sort of adapt to that. I think with Blame F and the way he's so committed, it won't be an issue really. And JKS has so much experience that I think he will just plug in. So I think Vitality and Complexity is going to be my my little bold prediction for that group. Well, I'm going to go Vitality big then. So you guys both said Complexity. And I'm going to be a little... Yeah, I think that's a more reasonable pick. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say Phase big for the hell. No, just of course not. No, there's Fuck no you, way. Anyway. No, Please stay uh, phase. Please do it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, complexity, vitality. Actually, I'll say I'll say that because I just feel I, like it was announced 20 days ago that yeah. the rumor for JKS to complexity was happening. So they've had plenty of time to practice. Like That's 20 played. days ago. Yeah, 20 days what? ago. Or feels I, like a week ago, dude. It was. It was. It was, okay. it was a while ago. It was 19 days ago, actually. I, I just checked. 19 days ago. Jesus. So time, time flies. Jeez. Yeah. Jason Lake also put out like a contract sign tweet like a day or two after that report was out. So yeah. So even so, I would even assume that they were scrimming before that. Honestly, mm -hmm. like I think there's a potential that they were scrimming 20 plus days ago. So I think JKS is probably integrated. Well, in some probably not because JKS yeah. is still in yeah. NA, but. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, actually, okay. So, so even if it's like that day that that report came out that they started screaming, or even if even if a little later, like two weeks, I think that's yeah, enough time. It'll be fun. I think that's yeah. I really think with the quality of that roster, I think that is definitely enough time. And with like with how deep how serviceable complexity looked with NATO Saffix in, like, to mm. put JKS in for for NATO Saffix for a minute, and like you just got just so much better. Like, so I yeah, I think it's a for me, actually, a pretty easy vitality complexity grand final pick. I'm feeling Tabson, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep book big. I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't count them out, but Tabson was pretty bad recently, actually. Which means he should be better now, right? I mean, logical. Yeah. He can only it can only get up. He can only go up from there. Yeah, that is yeah. true. That is that's facts. All right, so let's go to Group C. Uh, Astralis MIBR ver they're they're facing off in the opener, ver and then mm -hmm. Furia G two in the other opener of Group C. So, who are you guys? Let's go in reverse order. So I'll actually go first then, because I did last. Um, so I'll say Astralis is going to make it, and pfft, wait, is Nico playing? That's what I was about to ask the same question. Is Nico? Uh, I would assume. 
I would assume so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go. Well, the lineup shows <sighs> Amonek and Jax. Yeah, I think well, that's because okay, Sony going... hasn't updated G2's lineup because they haven't actually confirmed who who he's replacing. It's gonna be replaced. Uh, so okay. they, they won't replace it until that happens. Screw it. I'm gonna say Astralis G2, even no matter what. Like I'm gonna say Astralis G2 because I just think Furia Furia has a little I'm... bit more time than EG to warm up into the EU landscape. So I think that's working for them in this circumstance. Whereas EG were kind of like just thrown into the like just pits of EU immediately, just like here, good luck in a match. Like even though you've been playing New England Whaler and Scrims for the past three weeks, so like Furia might not be ready in that sen- sense of things. Astralis definitely are just gonna beat MIBR, so I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I just think Furia might face the same difficulties that EG did. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Astralis G two. Uh, I'm gonna right. take Astralis Furia for sure. I just think, I just think that with if Nico's coming in for G two, then they're still going to be dealing with like that little adaption period with with Nico plugging in, and with the way Furia are just relentless with their aggression, like if they don't have if G two don't have structure behind that, then the comms could get really hectic, and they might struggle to adapt very fast against that sort of style. And so I just see Furia straight up beating G2, especially if Nico's just straight plugging into that roster and it's one of his first matches here. Yeah, I'm going Astralis Furia. I don't think G2 will be adjusted enough yet. And I just think Furia is going to be a a good match again. I I, I really am excited to see Furia play Astralis and G2 and all these other European teams. I think they'll do really well. I'm going to have to give it Astralis Furia as well. I feel like unlike EG, Furia just have that that style where they just don't give a shit. Like I think it's gonna work their way. It's not that they don't give a shit. I think it's actually gonna go their way rather than EG. Well, EG haven't practiced much against the EU team, so they you know they struggle a little bit initially. For Furia, it's more about I worry for some of the EU teams that they haven't practiced you, with Furia. They aren't ready. They aren't ready. Yeah, I don't think they're ready for that. I've I've watched a lot of counters during my time. That what they're doing is just fucking insane. Listen, so, you can watch it, yeah. but nothing prepares you for it. Unlike being in the server, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think Furia Astralis is a safe bet here. Yeah. Actually, after I said that point about um, EG not having enough time, I look at how long it's going to be until Furia G2 happens, and it's pretty much five days, four, mm. four and a half days. And I feel like, actually, that is probably enough time, actually, to adjust. So like, Furia is going to be scrimming. I'm saying throughout all this time, whereas yeah. EG only had five days, they're jet lagged, they're not going to play up to their normal form. I think Furia get an. I think that's actually enough time now. So I would like to rescind my my G two pick because that no just faith feels, in Nico. Okay. okay, I just wow. feel like it's enough time. I feel like it's enough time for for Furia to adjust. I wouldn't rescind my pick. What is okay, that? well, well, I I like said the point and I let it stir in my head a little bit before I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Actually, I feel like I just made the logic. For why Furia should be good enough, even though I right, didn't well then, pick them. Yeah. Well, so you well, pick, well, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm picking Astralis G2. <laughs> well, fuck you. I'm picking MIBR <laughs> Fury. Jeez. Okay. I think my only concern for this match would be that Gary isn't behind Furia. So if this match gets into like some close 16, sorry, like 14, 14, 14, 13 scenarios, then G2 might be able to just take it over the line. Uh, because I find like Gary does a really good job of anchoring this team early on and keeping them in line and in general just 
helping them uh, stay stable throughout a match. And so without him behind them, that they might uh, let a let a couple of those leads slip. But otherwise, I think Fury go with it for sure. Okay. Uh, we are going to, instead of doing the question of the week, we have the first Patreon question. Probably bring the question of the week back after this, but just want to highlight because I forgot again at the beginning of the pod to talk about the Patreon. This is from Patreon. So if you guys donate enough money, look at the tiers on there. I think this is the $10 one. Uh, you can submit a question. So this is Bill W's question. He's been a longtime Maui Snake fan, actually. And your guys, so he's asking, and it's a very roundabout question, but I'll read the whole thing as is before I center it. Your guys' thoughts on baiting, question mark. Most casuals and even some pros consider baiting to be bad, but some pros argue it's a skill. And FNS on Peaker's Advantage 2017, what a throwback, argued the reason why he preferred to build a team around Cold Zera instead of Simple and Nico was because he baited. I don't know. Maybe question is out of date, but thought it'd be a fun one to ask. Okay. Um, I, I'm sorry, Bill, for reading it verbatim. <laughs> Why do you read the whole earth? thing? <laughs> just, just cause, just cause it's fun like that. So basically, what do we think? What do we think about baiting? And what do we think about the idea of, of maybe centering a team around a baiter? Um, um, yeah. So I'll, so it's all based around like context, in my opinion, like like different types of baiting, like just like good and bad. You know, it's like it's not all the same, just baiting. But so I would say the reason FNS would say he would prefer to build a team around Cold rather than Simple and Nico is he can probably control Cold in his own system a lot more than he can a Simple or Nico. So he's able because Cold is like kind of a baiter, so he's just kind of playing around this team anyways. So he's just going to be kind of Cold is just be kind of playing around FNS's like you know assuming hypothetically FNS is building a team, Cold is going to be able to play more around FNS's system than you know a Simple or Nico. You kind of have to like let off their chains a bit more. You know they're kind of be they're gonna be more aggressive players. They're gonna be wanna wanting to take duels at the start of rounds, and they're gonna have things you know like especially at the start of rounds that they're gonna want to do and like certain plays that they're gonna want to make, and that you're gonna have to be able to include those into your own system and be able to work around those. Whereas with someone like Cold, he's more so just kind of going wherever. And obviously this is in 2017, by the way, where Cold Zero is like the best player in the world, dropping you know like a 1.25 rating every event. So yeah. Considering that context, it's just it's a lot more set to build around. Like you have this player, you you know where you're gonna be able to put him, you know like how he's gonna play. And so just from an IGL's perspective, I can definitely see why they would prefer to have someone like that. It's kind of the similar thing, like play someone would have rather have device instead of simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think baiting is inherently a bad thing. It it just comes down to how it's actually executed. Like if you're if you're cold zero, he does a very good job of consistently baiting the right way and there is a right and a wrong way to bait and cold zero does a very good job of doing it the right way where he's like someone has to bait exactly not everyone can just hold w and entry like someone someone has to bait everyone else like look at the way zipnix even does it like zipnix like if you look at the way he plays he he baits in some situations but he's also that he's the clutch minister like he's the guy who's going to come in and mop up the two or three players who are left and he's going to have the positioning on them. He's going to have the intel on them. And he's going to be able to, to clear those sort of situations up. And being able to execute on that is entirely based on like your positioning and the way you're calming with your teammates as well. Because like if you're baiting the right way, you can catch catch the players out after your teammate dies. Or you can immediately trade them 
And you're either going to have a positioning advantage on them or you're going to have a trade advantage on them. And that's the sort of two things that you're really looking for when you're, when you're baiting correctly. And for Cold Zero, that's something he did very well. Personally, I don't know if I agree with building a team around a player like Cold Zero instead of Simple and Nico. Um, I guess 2017 is entirely different since Cold Zero wasn't at a different uh, level of form. Um, but I feel like building around players who have who are consistently good at baiting is also like it, it's entirely reliant on on the way your IGL wants to lead the team. Like if you have a player who can consistently bait and do a good job of closing out rounds then they're a good player to build around. Like I would build a team around Zipnix, but having the right players that are able to step up alongside them is also very crucial. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to add to that. I think you guys hit the nail on the head with that one. But yeah, I have to agree, like building a team around like, uh, you know, a player whose entire playstyle revolves around a teammate baiting for him. I don't think that's viable overall, right? It I, think really it's, make I think it's not so much like building a team around that specific player. But mm -hmm. from like FNS's POV, it's that he wants he was considering like he building the team like around, yeah, yeah, building 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 the team around his system rather than building the team around a specific player like a simple or Nico, which which, worth, which makes sense. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that FNS calls like SK LG did a lot. Like he would always he played like they played the same style a lot of the time. Like it was like get map control. Put one guy in an uncomfortable position for the opponents that they either have to clear out or can be used to like as a hard lurk or as a person on a split later. Like he, Evan has called the exact same way that they did, or at least like with his orgless team, it basically looked like I was watching 2018 uh, SK or 2017 2018 SK LG um, again, but with just completely different players, obviously. I feel like the the good the the more interesting part for me personally with, with this question is about more than like uh, you know the the very specific case of FNS and Cold would be casuals or I don't know about pros I don't really know many of the newer pros I don't play seriously anymore but at least from the casual perspective like, I still believe there's a big stigma attached to baiting right even to this day where everyone's like, oh he's a, he's just a filthy baiter and whatnot and I feel it's a very uh, cultural thing I remember this one video which uh, which Duncan made where was talking about like this uh, i've got the swedish word it's about doing it for the greater good right and it's it's a cultural concept where you're willing to sacrifice something just for the greater good overall and i feel like that is something very regionalistic uh and something which is very prevalent in in eu i think you see it a lot with uh, the scandinavian style of counter-strike overall something very absent in asia as a whole where everyone's more about the individual style of thing which is something i've noticed and even nacs like if you go back quite a few years it was something which i, I noticed quite a bit you know the personalities clashing because they're like hey man you bro you're baiting too much whatnot instead of not realizing that you know if you win the game that's what fucking matters you win the fucking round doesn't matter who's getting the kills as long as the kills do take place has that changed overall for you guys like when it comes to like lower tiers of like nacs like mid tier two sort of scene uh, for me in NA, I think it's gotten better, definitely, like, the past couple of years. Um, obviously, like, the scene's now drastically changed within the last four months, <laughs> and a lot of people are just gone. But, um, yeah, like, even on teams like Chaos or Rogue in the past, like, I felt like there wasn't so much selfishness. Just, like, United, there definitely was, like, that kind of thing. Um, maybe not so much of, like, not willing, being willing to entry. Like, I don't think that's ever too much of a problem in a team uh, once you get to a high enough level. Mm -hmm. Or gonna do it, but there definitely was a bit more of not willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Some people definitely 
not as willing to always go in, even if like self-consciously, like not not like not doing it self-consciously, like not baiting on purpose, but just kind of like more naturally, passively, just kind of baiting their teammates when they maybe they shouldn't be. And, and, and do you feel like certain players, like, and this is just me hypothesizing over here, like, do you feel like certain players don't really get picked up, like promising players, because they fill that role at a lower tier as a Counter-Strike? Because uh, I feel that's the case in some of the more, the Oceanic or Asian regions, where you have some really good players, but they don't have those high-fragging pop-off games at all because of the role they play, but doesn't really get the the attention it deserves, or rather gets the uh, the credit it deserves. I, and I, I feel think, like a lot of players I, disagree I think... with that. I think it's possible, but like in my opinion, at least, that like if you're good enough for a pro team and like that's the role you're playing, and like if that's that's like your role, like you should be able to have like enough consistent impacts, especially like at an MDL level, doing that role to be good enough to be yeah. a pro team. I think like it's kind of like a, a, a cream rises to the top type of thing. Like there's definitely mm. some like um, someone sure, like, Yeah, like I'm sh- I'm sure there's been examples where like someone didn't get noticed because of it. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was like a superstar or anything, you know. Like I, yeah. okay. I yeah. think general. I think I think generally the cream is going to rise to the top. But definitely, like some of those more, maybe more like average kind of tier players, like tier two players, maybe like yeah, they might have their only chance to kind of like get on them to like a good team, like a tier one team, is to basically kind of rise up with a team that you know they're a solid piece built around. Gotcha. Like for me, Spongy comes to mind in yeah. North America as that sort of player who like he individually he was very much in that sort of role like he still got picked up he still got picked up by teams because he could fill that role and do it very well um but he didn't like individually stand out as a as a superstar so yeah Yeah, i would say a couple people that are like that rose rose up even though i don't i don't feel like their roles were that good were like like penny got noticed um i think swisher didn't always do like the star roles but he still got noticed enough that yeah gaming yeah, people are, people are like, like if you have good mechanics, like people are gonna notice that. Like, yeah, especially if you're playing on like FPL and stuff. Like, yeah, you yeah, should. People, people recognize those people were decent, were good, even yeah. though they weren't like they weren't like they weren't having bad stats, but they weren't like destroying like records or anything like that, like getting kills out of nowhere or anything like 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 I think Penny before he got picked up for Triumph had like a one point one something. Or like, mm-hmm. and then Swisher probably like around the same same mark. Where it wasn't like, holy crap, these guys are just wrecking everybody. But it was like, okay, we've seen consistency from them for like six to twelve months now at a level where it's like they're clearly better than their competition, and they don't even like. I wouldn't say that Penny or Swisher were in really star roles. Like they were just they were just doing what they did, and it was it was like how Mix was saying, just enough impact where consistently from their positions, you knew that they were going to output because Counter Strike. Five people. Everyone has a gun in the server, so you can, you can do something from anywhere, really. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask one more question as a follow up to the to the uh, baiting one, because he kind of said like building a team today or whatever. I think like if you guys were to pick one player though in the scene, just like justify it, try to justify it in like one sentence, because we've already been going for on for a while. Like, who would you pick? To, to like, if you had to pick one person to build a roster around, this can be literally an IGL or a star player. I don't see why you would pick anything other than that. But like, let's go Blev first. Who who would be the one guy you pick build a roster around this guy? Um, uh, the, I mean, the easy answer is obviously I'd pick someone like Glaive, right? Like, that just makes sense to me. Like, I always want uh, someone who. 
with experience he has building our own team, I feel like someone like Glaive, right? If I give him like a, almost a blank check and be like, hey, pick a team or pick players where from, you know, who's not in Astralis, who's never been in Astralis. I feel like he could pick a team who would, uh, without a Zyru, even without a simple, I feel like he could get a team would be a top three team, 100%, like without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, like I'd, I'd probably give a yeah. blank check to uh, someone that's like maybe even almost did it before, like Kerrigan. Like if I was considering if I was like a you know like a like I kind of want like the shirt thing you know like I'm not you know like I'm like a business person like I think I think I'd give it to Kerrigan just because I feel like he's more than likely he's done it before I'd have a lot of faith in him especially giving him like you know if you give him a blank check like to build like a decent team that makes a lot of sense internationally whereas with Glaive I think he would be able to um but it'd just be almost a bit more of a risk in a way that it's not something he's actually had to do before. You know, he's not had to play like t- teams like those or like build a team like that. So, but but, 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 the, but, I, but the question is, he's he's not building the team. Like he's the guy we're going to build a team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? But I think the team around him. I, but like I, you can, around say, him. But like also like that person's going to have a lot of input. I would say. I'll say I'll okay. say this. I'll say this with it. Like this has to be like we don't know the contracts of every player beyond what really Henry G and kind of what rumors are and things like that. But this has to be your highest paid player. Let's say that this has to be your highest paid guy. So yeah. you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't have like if you're saying you're picking Kerrigan, you're not picking. It's not like Kerrigan can build a team with Simple on it, because yeah. like Simple would probably get paid more. Okay, interesting. Okay, um, okay no. Uh, obviously, well, I, yeah, no, I no. justify paying a fuck ton of money so I can just <laughs> all the other good players. All right, so what I'll do. I want to hear notes. I want to hear notes. I want to hear notes. You can get so what I'll do is I'll get simple, and then I'll get Kerrigan. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 No. No. Just. just uh, obviously, yeah. you bring back Zeus uh, and pay him forty k a month. I say, yeah, Glaive is a really good piece. I would say if he's if you're looking for like the player who's gonna who you can build a team around and who's gonna build the team, Blame F is a very good shout. Um, the guy has like an immense dedication to the game. He's talented as an individual player, and he just generally is very good at ki- getting his players into the right mindset. Um, if not someone like Blame F, I think uh, if we're gonna go relate this to like our baiting question as well, uh, Art because he can lead the team, and if you have the right pieces around them, he's gonna be the one creating that space for you. He's creating the strategies that are sort of based around you getting that, getting those openings, and also just uh, sort of just steamrolling off of that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, those are all great answers. I would have probably gone with Kerrigan already. So I think we already got Kerrigan the point for that. Yeah, Kerrigan for newer it's, players and Glay for like already established ones. I, I, I'd go with it that way. I think the, the vanity. So. So Blaze kind of using the the Dap Stan is law, but for Kerrigan Glaive. I see. Makes sense. Makes sense. Just, <laughs> just set the you know, just set it all all the plans. Wait, lay lay down the, answer, the blueprint. The answer was so obvious for me. It was MSL. It was Zero. Oh, okay. Sure. No, no, no. <laughs> then I have my Opper and my IGL. It was Montu. <laughs> it was Montu. <laughs> it was Montu all along. Oh my god. Oh yeah, that, that's a reference to when I pick Matu over Zywu. Yeah, we have we have continuity jokes now, so people that are actually listening to every podcast are gonna get that one. There's inside jokes now on its server time. Excellent. God damn uh, it. That's a that's a joke. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I think that's going to be it here. I'm, I'm, I, I will say to round that out, ra- like wrap up that discussion. It's interesting. None of us pick stars and we all picked IGLs. And I think that's just kind of a, what the landscape has shown us with Counter-Strike over the years now that, that IGLs can continuously rise to the top, but star players like, like cold, for example, like you could be the best in the world, like, and Olaf and get right now, you can be the best in the world for a while, but the game might leave you behind in a way or another, like one, one way only, or another. You can it's only control per- so much. Yeah. As an individual, world. as an individual yeah. star player, you can't control the entire game. So I think that's going to wrap things up here. Thanks. Oh, wait, don't start. Don't stop the recording. Prodogo, if you have it, but, uh, uh, blood, do you have anything you want to shout out? Uh, no, not really. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I like talking Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is great. It's 2.30 a.m. and a wide awake. I'm probably going to play some matchmaking and hate myself because of that. Thank you. Terrible great. Idea. Great. So maybe your shout-out should be to Valve to fix matchmaking. Not going to happen. Not also, gonna EU matchmaking is so, also, EU matchmaking is so fucking easy. I play EU matchmaking, 180 ping, and I rank up easy. Oh, good. Good to hear. I'm going to have a good time while I'm here. I'm going to have a great time. I'm already pugging a, a bit. It's really, really easy. Other than having to listen to like three Russians on a team, it's mm. really easy. That's This is a new experience for me. Um, but Mix, and, Mix, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I'm just going to shout out Alex. Only Alex. <laughs> the Colossus Alex. C9 yeah, the Colossus, Colossus Alex. Alex. Okay, okay. That's it. All right. No, All no right. reason, just because. Okay, no. What do you, what do you got? I just like how you think that the way you're going to get Valve to change matchmaking is at the end of a two-hour podcast with blood. (laughs) (laughs) Valve, fucking fix your matchmaking. There you go. Boom. A little bit more emotions. That's going to be the teaser video. That's going to be the teaser video for Twitter. We're going to cut that one, and we're just going to like... Hey, if you guys like, if you guys are interested in what this podcast is about, this is what Bled had to offer, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna be that. It's just gonna be like no one's gonna have any idea after listening to that what this thing is about. So that's all the more reason for them to tune in. All right, cool. I have nothing to plug either, other than uh, watch Flashpoint and watch this watch this episode like five times over again, but turn ads on. Thanks, guys. <laughs>